But what I want to speak about today is the subject of identity. I think this is quite critical, this subject, in terms of how you go forward in your Christian life. Um, If you don't get this thing right, nothing else will be right. That is the truth of it. If you don't know who you are as a Christian, everything else is going to be strained, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be trying to earn things. And so, for, for me, this is a great place to start, and I'm going to let you know where exactly we're starting in a moment. But before I do that, Lance Armstrong, does he make anyone think of anything? Yeah, doping, drugs, cheat, liar. There's not a lot of good things that are said about him. Not that he's the only one doing that sort of thing. But he, he was brought very publicly um, out and exposed. And uh, everyone was obviously um, privy to all the dealings on and the goings on that were happening with him as he was being disciplined. And as his seven Tour de France titles were stripped from him. Uh, all these things that happened. That turned someone. He, he had a massive crash. But it wasn't a bicycle crash. It was an identity crash. He went from someone who was, if you had asked anyone a few years ago, if you had said Lance Armstrong, they would have said, determination, power, amazing uh, tenacity, amazing ability to get through difficult times. We know he's written books and successful. He started the Live Strong campaign and and, uh, written his books and survived cancer and gone on to do amazing things. But you know what? No one sees that anymore. Because the problem is there was a massive crash and it was an identity crash and things happened and all of a sudden this man who everyone recognized as someone of perseverance now has a name associated with being a cheat and a liar. The reason I tell you that story is not to, not to make him look bad in any way. The reason I tell you that story is because this is something which I think we as Christians, as people first of all, but then as Christians most certainly need to be aware of. And that is that our identities, our earthly identities are fragile. They are as fragile as his. Let me put it this way. If you think about this, if everything that makes you you is stripped away, what's left? If we take away your health, we take away your wealth, if we take away your spouse, if we take away your kids, if we take away your beauty or your Facebook friends, we take away your resume, your trophies, your awards, your car, your job, Would there be any you left? Your earthly identity is incredibly fragile. And what I'm speaking to today is quite a personal thing, um, but it's something which I believe is helpful. I think there is a, a, a move where people very slowly find their identity in the things that surround them and that they surround themselves with. And that's what I'm speaking into today. We're looking at identity. Who do you think you are? That's the subtext of the message. And here's the first one. Part one, I am in Christ. Like I said, this is absolutely foundational. You don't get this, you're not going to get much else. And so I want to speak to this this morning as we lay a foundation. You see that little matryoshka doll or whatever it is, Russian doll hiding in there. Let's read from Colossians 3 verses 1 to 10. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. So set your hearts on things above. Verse 2. Set your mind on, minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's exactly what was symbolized here today. They died and their lives 
are now with Christ. That's, that's what they were showing and witnessing to us today. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways before you became a Christian, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of his creator. So it's quite a mouthful there. There's quite a lot in those verses, but I'm going to break it down in the easiest way that I know how, in the quickest way that I know how. So let's go into this. This is how I'm going to go do this this morning. Number one, I was made to find my identity vertically, but I look for my identity horizontally. Thankfully, I'm offered a new identity in Christ. And living out of my new identity will transform my life. That's what I'm going through. So you can track my progress as we go, now that you know where I'm going with things this morning. Okay, but don't don't show me the watch sign on your wrist. Okay, it's not going to help me. That's just going to make me go along. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, number one, you ready? Anyone ready? You ready? Okay. I need some response, man. There you go. Thank you. Number one, I was made to find my identity vertically. So, verse 10 is central to this. Let me see if I can get back. There it is. Verse 10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I was made to find my identity vertically. Take a look at this, because that same verse speaks to the very first answer that's given in Scripture from Genesis chapter 1. When God said this, Let us make mankind in our own image. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So the important thing here is that, you know, who are we vertically? Who are we? Where's our identity rooted? Well, in an ideal system, it would be rooted in God. In an ideal system and in a previous system, our identity could, it, it was traced and linked to God. We were designed to reflect and to bear the image of God. Unfortunately, we know the reality and that, that isn't really the case anymore. And the Bible records in detail the fall of man. And it speaks about how that image is suddenly tarnished and how, how, how we fell. You see, when the em- enemy came and spoke to our First parents, he rocked their identity. He started the identity crisis we are all suffering with and sitting with today. Because God put a a very specific system in order. You see, he said, let me make them higher than the animals, lower than God. We have a very specific place where we fit into things. And it's on purpose. We are below God because we are dependent on God. But we are above animals. He's given us dominion over all living things to rule them, to to work the land well, to care for them and nourish them. But the enemy came along and he sowed a seed into our minds that said, yeah, middle's okay, but wouldn't it be better if you were there? I mean, you could be just like God. You could rule over everything as well. And of course, we know the rest of the story and all of us are suffering with this, but 
as a consequence of that and those decisions that were made there, all of us now seek to find our identity in things on a horizontal level, not on a vertical level anymore. Many scholars and theologians, they, they, they understand this thing of reflecting God. They understand the image of God and what it means to mirror God to other people. That's what we were created to do, to reflect His goodness and glory. But they also acknowledge, and I'm sure you'd acknowledge this yourself, we're not a good mirror. At best, we're a cracked mirror. We're a shattered mirror. We're a distorted mirror. We're a blemished mirror. We know what we were created for, but the fact of the matter is we can't get there. There's two words in the verses that I read which I want to pick out, and it comes from Colossians 3.5, that part of that big passage we read now, now, and it sits right in the middle, and it says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. He's speaking to Christians. He's not speaking to people who don't know Christ. He's speaking to people who have put their faith in Christ. And he's giving them a very direct instruction. Put to death those things. But in that list of things there, you'll notice something. Evil desires. I've, I've wondered to myself, well, that's quite broad. What exactly is evil desires? Anything naughty? Anything uh, anti-God? Like what exactly are we talking about here? Anything that just doesn't honor God? But the interesting thing is this. It comes from a Greek word, and I don't often go into the Greek and Hebrew of things, but the, uh, there's a reason why I don't. It's not because I can't. It's just because the pronunciation is terrible. Okay? Let's just go for it. <sighs> I think it's ep- epith- epithumia. Okay, I even looked it up. I went onto Google and I said, pronounce this word. And there's this girl who says, epithumia, epithumia, epithumia. So anyway, there it is. So that's what the word means, okay? There's evil desires. The reason I draw your attention to that, evil desires are exaggerated desires. That's what that word means, that epithumia. That's what the Greek word means, exaggerated desires. It means that we're looking to people, we're looking to experiences, we're looking to activities or possessions, which do give us some meaning, some identity, But they're exaggerated desires. We expect more from them than they are willing or able to give us. Think drug addiction. Think food. All those sorts of things. Think the workaholic. Those things are not bad things, but when they're exaggerated desires, our identity shifts from a vertical one to a horizontal one. And our emphasis becomes on the things that are around us. There's exaggerated desires. There's another word there which is interesting, idolatry. Now I want to spend a little bit of time here because this is a fascinating word. Me, I think idolatry, I think temples, I think little Buddha in your, in your garden that's like growing some moss around it. That's, that's what I think of when I think idolatry. But it's something so much more subtle than that. It's something that just creeps into all of our lives, this thing of idolatry. And I want to read this. You know Tim Tim Keller, the pastor and uh, author and idolatry is seeking to establish a sense of self and identity by making something else more central to your significance, purpose and happiness than your relationship to God. So idolatry is any time 
that 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 your identity doesn't come from a vertical place it comes from a horizontal place any time that those things are more important than this thing becomes idolatry does that make sense that's the easiest way that i can think to describe it it's one of the greatest causes of pain that we experience now I want to list some things here and I'm doing this purposefully because I think there's going to be people here that you know what you're definitely going to recognize other people in this list. Okay, you you're definitely going to say that is my wife, but I'm not going to tell her or whatever it might be or that's my kids or that's my boss or that's my ex or whatever it might be. Don't see this as a list for other people. I know you just want to help people and 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 you just want to bring them into a close relationship with God. Just use this list for yourself. because there's going to be people here that, that that need to hear this because even myself as I go through a list like this I think is idolatry an issue here is this thing a problem is this something that that can be highlighted in my life that I can deal with because some of us we build our identity on our spouse or our partner and you say what's wrong with that no that is a problem your identity i'm not saying you don't love your spouse or your partner but your identity doesn't come from your spouse or your partner because what happens then is you become emotionally dependent on that person and what happens then is you begin to put unrealistic expectations on that person and there is no ways that any partner that any spouse can meet every expectation that the other one has it's just not possible But if they're everything to you, if your identity is rooted and linked to your spouse or your partner, then every time they make a mistake, you're just crushing them with the weight of expectations that have been blown. It's not a healthy place to be in. Some of us build our identity on our family and our children. What happens when we do that? You might have seen this in someone else, but see if it's in you. We try to live our lives through our kids. We try to give them all the things we couldn't have. And now that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you want to push them into sports that maybe they're not interested in. You want to push them into schools that they're not interested in. They they you know whatever it might be. Um you try and live your life through them. You try and make them achieve in the way that you wish you had achieved. And they become absolutely everything. Do you know what you end up with there? Two things. One is a resentful kid. I've done youth ministry long enough in my life to see lots of children who feel forced to do certain things by their parents and you know what I'm the one who has to sit and counsel them. But that's not the worst thing that you get. The worst thing that you get is when you've invested and your whole identity is wrapped up in your children and making sure that they do things in a certain way is that when they leave the house which they will you're left with nothing. It actually that empty nest thing becomes a reality. It is a real empty nest uh, because everything that you've wrapped the last eighteen years of your life into isn't in, isn't there, and they don't want to be there. They're only too happy to run, and so that's a problem. Some of us build our identity around a work or career. Now there's virtue in working hard. The Bible speaks very clearly about working hard, and it speaks very clearly against being lazy. So I'm all for working hard. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but there is a point at which working hard becomes a problem. And you never see it, but everyone else around you can see it. And everyone else can see, "Sheesh, you, you need to you need to take a break, you know." No, I haven't had a holiday for 6 years and you wear it like a trophy. It's not a trophy. You're messing yourself up. That's what you're doing. 
So in putting your energy and, and everything into something, that's not the problem. But being a work, workaholic, that is a problem. You might have a nice salary. And you might get, you know, you might make some decent cash. But you know what I found? People who put their work first and who are workaholics become shallow, boring people. Because that is their life. If you engage them in a conversation and it doesn't involve their work, there's nothing to talk about. It just becomes very limiting. And not only that, you invest everything that you've got into a business or into your work and it doesn't work. If your identity is linked to that, let me tell you something, that will crush you. That will be the start of a downward spiral if your whole identity is wrapped up in that stuff. You with me? Okay, I've just got 10 more pages of these. So, some of us <coughs> build our identity on money and possessions. Now, not many people say, yep, that's me. It doesn't work like that. But, but I think if you have to think carefully about it and be honest about it, we might come to some different conclusions. So what happens when we do that, when we put our identity on money and possessions? We get consumed by worry. The bottom line, the more you have, the more you worry. The more you worry that you've got to keep it safe and protect it. You get a nice car, all of a sudden you can't park in the parking lot at the spa anymore. You need to park around the block on the other side of the church in case someone scratches your car. In case the trolley comes. Trust me, I know. Are we recording this, okay? I know, okay? My father, he's, he's a wonderful man. And um, yeah, the more you have, the more you worry. That's how it works. And uh, it's not a healthy thing for your for your identity to be wrapped up in that. We measure our self-worth by our net worth, which means that when we're with someone, this is the ugly part of letting money be your idol. When you're with someone who's got more than you, you feel inferior. You feel like, oh gosh, better not drive in my car there, you know. We'll, uh, don't want to tell them about my farm. I don't want to, you know. When you get around that and money's your thing, there's always going to be people who are above you that have got more stuff than you have. And if that's where your identity is, when you're around those people, you feel inferior. You feel jealous. And the converse of that maybe is even worse. When you get around people who have less than you, you kind of like that a little bit. And you feel a little bit superior. And you feel like, you know, well, you know, I worked for it. I'm amazing. I've got stuff. You know what? That's a reality. We don't even think it, hey. But sometimes when we're driving and there's a car that's like a little more beat up than your car, it's like, cool. No one else think that. Just Amy. Okay. <laughs> but that's the reality. We don't even know we're doing it. That's what I'm saying. We've got we to gotta watch for these things because they're so subtle. Some people, like Lance, build your identity on winning and achievement. There's nothing wrong with winning and there's nothing wrong with achievement, but there's very few people in the world who get to be number one at something. Well, there's only one person in each category, let's face it, that gets to be number one at something. And give it time, not a lot, someone faster, better, stronger will knock you out of your position. It has to happen. You can never stay at number one all the time. If your identity is wrapped up in achieving like that and in always being number one, well, that's not a healthy thing. It becomes tempting to put less energy into your relationships and to compromise your integrity by taking shortcuts, as we see in this story. Some of us build our identity on pleasure and comfort. So often what happens then is we get addicted. So often what happens then is that we run to things to escape the difficulties in our lives. When our identity is linked to that good time or 
drinking that or doing that or whatever it might be. There's a problem there. Can you see what the exaggerated desires, how they come into this? It's not, the, it's not the desire that's a problem, but when it's exaggerated, it becomes a big problem. So for some of us, I've just got three more of these. For some of us, identity is built around our relationships and getting approval. Now, I know you know someone like that. Someone who has to have the approval of other people. They don't like it when anyone's out of sorts with them. They don't like it when, you know, oh, when, when something is said and they think it was about them. You know, people like that become paranoid, oversensitive people. And they don't make friends easily because every time they see two people there and they're not in that group, they're talking about me, aren't they? It's my hair. It's my, it's my lack of shoes. What is it? Why are they talking about me? And, and you, you can become like that. If approval is, the, is what you base your entire life on, it's a very scary thing. They're overheard by criticism. And on the other hand of that, they fear confrontation with others. And if you fear confrontation so much with your close friends, they're not going to stay your close friends. Because it just means you, you can only build on a certain level. There's always going to be conflict and confrontation in friendships. So shying away from those things. If, if approval is your identity, well, you're never going to do those things. You're never going to get deep into your relationships. Some of us build our identity around noble causes. So what happens when we do this? We divide the world into good and bad people. And we demonize the people that are bad. So I was trying to think of an example for this, and the one that I thought of was hunting. Because trophy hunting is kind of controversial right now, right? Um, and, and I thought, this is, this is the sort of thing. People build their identity around a cause like that. And they make it, they take a stand, and they just stand. And no matter what facts are thrown at them, no matter what happens, they are standing. And then, you see, if you're against trophy hunting, then everyone who's for it, they're an enemy of yours in a sense. Everyone who's for it isn't on your side. And so you end up demonizing large sections. Now, I'm just using hunting, and it's a, maybe it's a lame uh, expression, but there can be lots of noble causes. And then every time you see a little post about Cecil the Lion on Facebook, it gets your blood boiling. And you need to get involved. And you need to send emails to all the professional hunters that you've ever heard of in your entire life. And you need to email all the dentists that you've heard of. Uh, because all dentists are like that, you know. And, and your whole identity gets wrapped up and your whole, your peace is robbed. Uh, you know, you just, it just consumes you. People can get on noble causes and it's not healthy. It's not healthy for that to become your identity. And lastly, some of us build our identity on religion and morality. This is a big one. What happens when we do that? Well, when you're doing well and you're a very moral and religious person, he's the guy on the bottom right there, you like to have a high standard for things. But here's the problem. When you live to your high standard of things, your day is going fantastically. When you don't and you let yourself down, the guilt eats you alive. And here's the problem with having such a high standard for everything is that no one else, you see, it leads to self-righteousness and it leads to pride because I've, I've battled this thing, you know. God spoke to me about drinking. Is that guy touching a beer? I don't care that he's 95. I can't believe he's drinking alcohol and he's a Christian. This is absolutely unacceptable. God spoke to me about this and now he wants to come and do this. No, no, no. We need to be careful there. 
that we don't come with a self-righteous pride thing. It can become everything and people's battles become what they live for. It seems like they're always fighting another battle with another person. It's unhealthy. It's imbalanced. And quite frankly, what that does is you think you're being righteous, but you're creating an idol out of something. That's the problem with all of these things. You feel like you're doing the right thing. Because they're desires, and the desires are okay, but they're exaggerated desires, so they're not okay. Is this making sense? Let's move on. So, what do we have so far in this passage? Number one, I'm an image bearer, an image bearer of, of God, made to find my identity vertically. Number two, tragically, the image is broken as I look for an identity horizontally. Number three, is there a solution? I'm offered a new identity in Christ. Verse 9 and 10 just say it so clearly. I don't know if I put it there. It says this, since you've taken off, you see, you're offered a new identity in Christ. This is written to Christians. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Do you see what's happening there? There's something that happens in the twinkling of an eye. There's something that happens in an instant of making a decision. The second you transfer your faith from the stuff around you and yourself and everything that you're good at to Jesus Christ, that happens. You take off your old self with its practices and you put on a new self. Paul says it differently somewhere else. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That's a now thing. That's not like I'm being new when I die and I go to heaven. This is, I'm a new creation. Just like that. And for many people in this room, that's happened. But the problem of seeking identity in a horizontal way, it still creeps into us. And I hate that it does, but it does. You never get to a point where that thing is so switched off that you don't even... As soon as you've done that, you've probably become proud and self-righteous. You know what, you just, but you always, we're aware of it and we deal with it. The, the important thing is, yes, it's seeing it and identifying it, but it, it's being quick enough in your spirit to make a change when you see it. That's what's so important. Let me give you one more part, and it's from the same passage in Colossians, just a couple of verses earlier. It says this, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Beautiful phrase. That's what happens. When you pray this prayer, and you know at the end of most church services, we'll say, if there's anyone here and you want to you put your faith in Jesus. And some people go, yeah, that's me, I want to do that. Well, we, most of us in this room have done that. But when you put up your hand and you do that and you pray, just like that, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That is an exceptional and an amazing thing. It's worth mulling over that in the week, writing it down, jotting it on your phone, putting it as a reminder. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God, not, not then when you die. Right now. Your life is now. Isn't that a great picture? Hidden with Christ in God. I love the picture of something that's hidden. You know, something like my wallet, if there's cash in it, it's normally gone by the end of the day. That's just the way that I, I don't know, either give it away or buy stuff or who knows what. And, and the cash is gone. But the cash that's hidden is secure. The cash that's hidden in my bank account is secure. It's unseen. It's hidden. It's secure. 
Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your, your life is secure. When you pray that prayer, when you make that decision, when you take that step, everything changes. I want to say this though, even though everything changes, we can experience uncertainty, insecurity, pain, disease, and even death. But here's the good news. Our identity is untouchable. It is unshakable. It is deeply hidden with Christ in God. There is nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can't do. There's nothing that I can fail to do that can change this part of my existence. I am in Christ. She's very different. It's, it's trying to find that vertical identity again. We don't always get it right, but we're trying. This identity in Christ isn't something that you achieve. This is something you receive. That's an important thing, because we like to work to get things. But this doesn't work like that. And if you're a Christian here today, you've got every reason to be grateful and happy and excited this morning. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's just really exciting. And I just want to really, I'm going to go over this now extremely fast, but the last point, there's no reason for that slide. Okay. Number four. Living out of my identity will transform my life. Did I mention Pastor Innocent in this service? I can't remember if it was this one or last one now. Um, if you didn't hear Innocent, uh, who preached here about three weeks ago now, um, go onto the website and listen to it. It's a brilliant message, and the whole thing really is about this transforming power of Christ. If you have put your faith in Christ and nothing has changed in your life, you need to reinvestigate some stuff. Because God's power within you transforms you from the inside out. Things should begin to change. The way you make decisions, the way you speak, the way you relate to people, the way you behave, the way you see poor people, all those things should start to be adjusted as you walk with Christ. They should. If they don't, and everything's the same from here to here, I think there's some big questions that need to be asked. So Neil Anderson... Uh, wrote this, and forgive the kind of old school language, but I think you'll get the point. It has been our observation that almost every struggling and defeated Christian has one thing in common. They don't know who they are in Christ, nor what it means to be a child of God. It is not how we live. This is so important. It is not how we live that determines who we are. It is knowing who we are that determines how we live. Everything we do comes out of that identity. It doesn't come out of a sense of duty or obligation or fulfilling some religious requirement. Everything that we do comes out of our understanding of who we are. The verses now that we read in the beginning, from verses 7 to 10, said this, because Paul said the same thing that that guy just said. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Do you see what he's saying? Once you understand your new identity in Christ, you will be motivated and empowered to live differently. This is the thing. It's worth doing some thinking about this. It's worth making sure that your identity is vertically rooted instead of horizontally rooted. Because of this, 
you will be motivated and empowered to live differently. Motivated, you will want to live differently. But not only will you want to live differently, you'll be empowered to live differently. That's the beauty of having your identity rooted vertically. Lastly, in the Bible, Christians or Christ followers are often called saints, holy ones, righteous ones. That's how how we're referred to in the scriptures. And this is an important thing, and I want to draw your mind to this. A Christian is not a sinner who sometimes gets it right, but a saint who sometimes gets it wrong. Now that sounds like a cliche, but our life is new. We are hidden in Christ. We are new creations. So we're not bad guys who sometimes get it right, but thankfully because when God looks at us, He sees His Son Jesus and everything that He did, everything that we just thanked Him for, we have life. Living out of your new identity will transform your life.